Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. A haunted Victorian mansion, a ghostly ranch in Texas, and a spine-chilling voicemail from a ghost. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross. I'm so happy you're tuning in. Today, I have not one, not two, but three ghost stories coming your way. Thanks so much for subscribing to this channel. Leave a like and a comment while you're here and turn on post notifications. I upload new episodes every week and I never want you missing out. Be sure to follow along with Avery After Dark on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I want to make sure you get your mystery fix all week long. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's first haunting. For centuries, many have believed that spirits can communicate with us through dreams. And if you have a repeating dream, it could be because you're not catching an important message the first or second time around. And this is exactly what happened to a woman named June Ferris. And these dreams led her down the rabbit hole into a strange unsolved murder mystery that has haunted a community for years. In August 1968, it all began. June, who lived with her family in Richmond, Virginia, began having a reoccurring dream about a house. The house was a big mansion, but it was odd because this home was unfamiliar to June. It wasn't one she had seen, recognized, or even stepped foot in. Every dream was the exact same. June said she was in an upstairs bedroom of this mansion. She would walk out into the hallway, then she would turn right, go down the back narrow staircase, go into the kitchen area, walk out through the kitchen door, and then outside onto the porch. And then every time she would wake up. In these dreams, June said she would always feel anxious, nervous, like something was about to happen that she should know about. And they would always end at that exact same point, as soon as she stepped foot onto that back porch. She didn't know where she was in the dream or what she was supposed to be doing there. June had this dream so often she knew the exact layout of this house, where every room was. And she said she had this reoccurring dream at least once a month for four years. In 1972, June and her family packed up and made a move to Orlando, Florida. Now, this is where things get really freaky. June had lived in Orlando for about two years when one day she was traveling through the small town of Claremont, Florida she came upon a big Victorian mansion with a for sale sign in the front yard. This house instantly called to June. It was magnetic. There was something about it that felt so much like home to her, even though she had never seen it before. The mansion was striking. It sat in a quiet neighborhood just a few blocks from the downtown area. June had always loved that style of home, and she and her family were looking for a place to live. So she copied down the information on the sign and called up the realtor to set up a time for her to walk through. The day came for the tour, and June excitedly entered the home. And instantly, she got a really eerie feeling, like she had been there before. She walked around the first floor, then up the staircase, and began walking down the second floor hallway. June said it was like deja vu. She realized... This was the house from her dreams. She said she already knew where every room was, every closet. She was familiar with the entire layout of the home. She would point and say, 
oh, that's a closet. And the realtor's like, wait, how did you know that? Because this was long before the days you could browse a home online. June walked through the old mansion, knowing she had already been there dozens and dozens of times. And she said it didn't scare her. She wasn't weirded out by it. She felt like this was where she was supposed to be, like she had finally come home. After the tour, she knew she had to have the house. In March 1978, June, her husband, and their three children moved into the old Victorian from her dreams. And almost instantly, things got really spooky. As June's family was unpacking their belongings one of those first days, June's husband had his boat out on a trailer hitch. He had it propped up on a sawhorse stand and was going to leave it parked in the driveway. He had it evenly set out on the stand, then turned, walked back towards the house, when suddenly it was like someone picked the trailer hitch up and dropped it to the ground. This huge boat moved on its own. He went back over, asking the kids if they had moved it, and they said no. This happened again a couple more times. The kids and June's husband watched in shock, asking themselves, what's going on here? Over the years, strange things continued in the home, and the family began to think that this house was haunted. They didn't find it scary either, rather fascinating. One night, June's daughter Robin, who was around 21 years old, who had been living at the house with her husband David, both fell asleep for the night. When in the early morning hours, David woke Robin up, asking her if she heard that sound. Robin woke up and heard a melody coming from the next room. The family had a shelf full of music boxes. She walked in there to find all of them were playing. Even scarier, she looked down to find that none of their switches were on. They were somehow playing while being turned off. This incident reassured Robin that their house was haunted. In 1985, June's daughter Lori began dating a man named Bob Vitter. When Bob first came to the house, he met the family, and the topic of ghosts came up. Lori, along with the rest of the family, told him that they believed their house was haunted. Bob said he wasn't a big believer in ghosts and shrugged it off. That same year, it was a few nights before Halloween. Bob and Lori were at the house, sitting on the couch watching TV, when suddenly, they heard the screen door to the back porch open and then slammed shut. Lori said, hmm, must be my mom. But then they heard the sound of men's boots walking through the kitchen down the hallway. Bob said, that doesn't sound like your mom. The footsteps grew closer and closer into the very room the two were sitting in. Bob jumped up with the feeling that whatever it was, was now in the room with them. The sound of the footsteps continued down the hallway. Bob followed. He then watched as a door at the end of the hallway opened and shut on its own. And the sound of the footsteps faded into the distance. Bob was stunned. It was truly as if someone had walked through the back porch door straight past them. Not long after this, one afternoon, Robin was walking up the front stairway to head upstairs when she suddenly felt a frigid cold chill. She looked up to see the ghost of a man walk past her down the steps. She said he looked to be in his mid-30s, and within a few seconds, he disappeared. This was the first sighting of the home's entity. Up until that point, they had heard him, but not seen him. June's grandson, who lived at the house, would wake up to see the ghost of a man at the foot of his bed watching him sleep. This happened on numerous occasions. He was terrified by this and would scream and yell for his mom when he would see him. Robin eventually walked into the room one day and told the spirit, enough, leave her son alone. And after that, he never saw the ghost again. 
A few months after this, Bob was at the house upstairs getting ready to do some painting for the family. He opened up the attic door, began walking up the steps, when he too looked up and saw the entity, the same ghostly man. Then Bob said he felt a cold blast, smelled a musty smell, and this entity quickly passed through him down the steps. Bob, after hearing and now seeing the entity, was now a big believer in ghosts. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. Determined to find out more information, Bob went to the archives and began looking into the history of the Old Victorian. And what he found horrified him. He found a cluster of newspaper articles and quickly learned that the house the family was currently living in was the scene of a shocking murder just a few years before. The murder victim's name was John Harden, a prior owner of the home. 32-year-old John was shot in the home's driveway and died. Instantly, Bob connected John's age to the male presence the family had seen and heard in the home. He believed this could very well be the ghost that was haunting the old Victorian mansion. But who was John Harden? John grew up in Florida, and at 18, he married his high school sweetheart, a woman named Rita. The couple had four children and lived in Jacksonville, Florida. But after 14 years of marriage, John told his wife that he was going to be leaving for a while, but told her that he would be back. But Rita said John never came back. He left the family. A year or two later, John remarried and with his second wife, moved to Claremont and bought the old Victorian. The family had only lived there just under a year. When on March 22, 1975, John woke up in the middle of the night to the smell of smoke. He looked out of his second-story bedroom window to see that his truck was on fire. He ran out of his bedroom, down the second-floor hallway, down the back staircase, through the kitchen, and out the back porch door towards the driveway. If you're hearing this and saying, wait a second, this is the exact route that June would take in her dreams. John ran out to find his truck was engulfed in flames. He frantically tried to put it out, but John had no idea that someone was waiting in the bushes. This individual then shot John once in the chest with a shotgun from close range. And within the hour, John was dead. The suspected murder weapon was discovered by police in the bushes and they also found the phone lines to the house had been cut before the murder. Police determined that the killer had deliberately set fire to John's truck to get him out of the house, where he or she was lying in wait. That is chilling. Police investigated the murder, but could never find any motive, and no one was ever arrested or charged in John's murder. Investigators spoke to everyone connected to John, friends of his, family, neighbors, but they could never find a motive behind this. Notably, the old Victorian mansion is located close to the boat ramps and riverfront district of Claremont. Some theorized that the killer simply strolled away from the home that night and onto a waiting boat where they fled in the darkness. Murders are very infrequent in Claremont. When a homicide does take place, the success rate of solving it is almost 100%. But John's case remains a mystery. One special agent working the case said that it was one of the most difficult ones he had ever worked on. When June learned of what happened to John that night, in his route, his final run down the stairs out the back door, she recognized it from her dreams. It was the same path that she took. She said she felt like there was a link between the dreams and the crime, like maybe there was something she was supposed to see in those reoccurring dreams. 
to notice and possibly help solve the crime. But she never made it past that porch. She always woke up as soon as she made it outside. June believed that John was using the dreams to try and show what happened to him in those final moments of his life and maybe help find his killer. Robin, June's daughter, felt the same way, as if John's ghost was always reminding the family that he was still there. His case was still unsolved. He had unfinished business. Years later in 1990, June and her family moved out of the old Victorian mansion. And not surprisingly, the family that moved in after, Ken and Donna Hartley, also believed that the house was haunted, specifically a male spirit that roamed the halls. Some of the family's guests said they had seen unusual entities and heard strange footsteps and other noises in the house. John's unsolved murder case was reopened by Lake County Sheriff's Office, and they stated they had several suspects, but not enough evidence to charge anyone in John's murder. So his case remains unsolved to this day, and his murderer, presumably a free man or woman, and it remains Claremont's only unsolved homicide. The Hartleys said the paranormal activity in the home went dormant and seemed to stop around 1992. So if you've ever had a reoccurring dream about a certain house, a place you have never been to, I've got some news for you. That may be your future home you're dreaming about. That house could be yours one day, maybe a year from now, maybe 10 years from now. You know, and yeah, there could be a ghost attached to the place giving you those dreams, but hey, that's life. No place is perfect. If someone said, hey, Avery, you can have this old Victorian mansion in Florida, but small detail, it is haunted and this ghost is going to give you pretty creepy dreams about his final moments on Earth, I would give it the old college try. I may run out screaming in the middle of the night, but at least I tried. It's the effort that counts. And in this case, his spirit never really did anything too crazy. He was always just walking around, getting them steps in, even in the afterlife. This story is so fascinating and so spooky because June was dreaming about this house years before she ever stepped foot in it. If you remember, she was in a different state thousands of miles away when the dreams began. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Not only was this a premonition of her living in the home, she was apparently already connecting to the spirit inside the house. And for longtime listeners, you know. This is far from the first case we've covered where someone will move into a home and a murder victim that lived there before will send the new resident dreams in an attempt to help solve their case. But I gotta know, what are your thoughts on this story? I always love getting your take. Have you ever experienced anything similar to this? Dreaming of a place you've never been or a person you've never met and wondering the significance of it all? It's a supernatural world we live in. When you think of a cowboy, a rugged, tough, manly man may come to mind. Cowboys have that can't quit, won't quit attitude. They get the job done no matter how difficult the task may be. They're usually quite brave. Nothing really shakes them. Well, almost nothing. In June 1995, three cowboys named Johnny, Bobby, and Mike partnered up together on a new business venture. They took over a 3,000-acre ranch in Central Texas. Their business plan was to sublease the land out for hunting. And on the land was a one-story, smaller ranch-style house. Four bedrooms, a small kitchen, quaint living area. The building was constructed in the 1950s. And after purchasing it, the three cowboys moved into the house temporarily, as they got things situated. But on the very first night, the cowboys instantly began to realize they weren't alone in that house. That first evening, just as the men were dozing off to sleep, 
From the hallway, they all heard loud footsteps. And I mean loud. These footsteps started out quiet, as if they were in the distance, and grew closer and heavier with every step. And from there, every night was restless for the cowboys. The men said the ghostly footsteps were so loud, they were surprised the floorboards weren't broken. That's how unearthly this activity was. As soon as the men turned off their lights for the night, and just as they were starting to doze off, the paranormal activity began. Along with the heavy footsteps, they also began hearing these massive, huge blows onto the walls and ceilings. They described it as if someone was taking a sledgehammer to the place, over and over. Sometimes the men would all hear the activity, and other times the entity would pick on the cowboys one by one. And every night, it would continue until sunup. Nighttime was the most active as they didn't report anything out of the ordinary during the day. And these kinds of occurrences fall into the realm of poltergeist activity. A poltergeist is a noisy and mischievous type of ghost that will cause physical disturbances such as loud noises. Three rugged manly cowboys versus one angry poltergeist. Who will come out on top? We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. One especially active night, Bobby awoke to the sound of a huge crash coming from the kitchen. He said it was so loud, it sounded like someone had kicked or thrown all the chairs across the kitchen. Bobby jumped to his feet, grabbed his pistol by his bedside, and went to investigate. He was sure that the room had been flipped upside down. But when he walked into the kitchen and flicked on the light, he was stunned. Every chair was right in place. Nothing had been moved. The cowboys all spoke to each other about the activity, not knowing what other explanation other than it being paranormal. We got ourselves a dang ghost. They didn't know much about the previous owners, but clearly someone was still lingering around the ranch house. And Johnny said he felt the entity didn't want to let the men rest. He said the loud bangs on the walls, heavy footsteps, only began right as the men were falling asleep. Right as they were about to doze off, there would be a huge bang on the wall. One evening, Johnny was alone at the ranch house. The other two men were gone for the night and the entity used this opportunity to up the ante. As Johnny laid in bed, he said he heard a disembodied voice call out to him in a low whisper. Johnny said he heard it clear as day, and when he sat up, he noticed his room was ice cold. This ghost had these three cowboys shaking in their cowboy boots, and this is really scary. Another occasion, Mike woke up around 3 or 4 a.m. to a pain in his leg he had never felt before. His knee was throbbing in agony. He felt as if someone was sitting on it. In immense pressure, he frantically tried to roll off the bed, but said he couldn't move that leg. It was like someone or something had him pinned to the bed. He began waving his arm over his knee, trying to get whatever was on top of him off. And as soon as he did, he was able to get up, walk around the room, and said his leg felt fine. This ghost is making these cowboys weak in the knees. Not in the good way. Another night, Bobby woke up around 2 or 3 a.m. to the feeling of someone sitting on the bed with him. The mattress physically pushed down, as if someone was sitting right on the bed next to him. Bobby sat up, admitting he was really scared, as the entity had not done that before. Clearly, things were intensifying within the home. It started off with sounds, but now this entity was getting a little more personal, taking it to a physical level. This ghost done sat on me last night, fellas. You can't have that. At this point, the men had all told their families about the haunted ranch house, and out of curiosity, 
One evening, Mike's sisters Susie and Kelly wanted to come spend the night. It's a family affair. They had all heard about it and wanted to see what the men were talking about. They said they were assuming it would be a little bump in the night here and there, and they could disprove their brother by finding a rational explanation for it. Famous last words. But that night, they got into bed, turned off the lights, and the ladies got much more than they bargained for. As soon as the women closed their eyes, they said the activity started with hearing a faint whistling sound in the distance. It got closer and closer until it sounded like the entity was right there in the room with them. Something so creepy about someone whistling at night. Whistling during the day? Cool. Whistling while you work? Love it. But whistling late at night? Get out. Bye. Then the women said the loud crashes on the walls and ceilings began. They said it felt like the ceilings were about to cave in. Safe to say it was a restless night for the women. By the time the sun came up, the sisters were packed and ready to leave the ranch house. Mike said, y'all want breakfast? And they said, no, thank you. It's time to go. A parapsychologist named William Roll investigated the home, although I don't believe he spent the night there. But he did notice the home was built on limestone bedrock, and he theorized the activity could be due to the Peltier effect. This could be the cause of the strange, loud sounds. This effect occurs when water seeps between underground slabs of limestone and causes them to shift, expand, and contract. He also said the higher electromagnetic field can affect the human mind. And this is true, that it can affect some people physically. But typically, these symptoms include fatigue, headache, dizziness, loss of concentration, and nausea. But it doesn't explain what the cowboys experienced inside the home or the intensity of the activity. Sounds from a settling house, I think we can all recognize those kinds of noises. But from what the cowboys described to me, it sounds like much more than that. Another big question I have is how does that explain the activity only taking place at night, only after the cowboys were settled in their beds ready to go to sleep? How does that account for hearing the disembodied voices, the footsteps, the crashing sounds, the whistling? Waking up to the feeling of the entity sitting on their knees? I could go on and on. I'm just not sure how that would explain everything. Some noises, sure, but not everything. Others argue that the natural environment of the house, sitting on limestone, may give rise to the paranormal disturbances. The address of this ranch was never disclosed, but they thoroughly believed that what they experienced in the ranch house was paranormal. This haunting is so interesting because this entity had these three rugged cowboys petrified. I mean, they were fully spooked. They went from yee-haw to yee-haunted. Get it? I think ghostly activity turns everyone back into a kid again. It doesn't matter how tough you are, when you hear or see something spooky, you want to run and hide under the covers. But I gotta know, what are your thoughts on this haunting? Do you believe it was paranormal or just some rock settling? Have you ever gotten a creepy voicemail? Sometimes it can be from a prankster. Other times it's the old butt dial. But sometimes these calls can come from the other side. Years back, a woman named Judy found she had missed a series of telephone calls from her elderly mother's landline. Judy played back the recorded messages on her answering machine, thinking she would hear her mother's voice on the other end of the line. But it wasn't her mom. On the voicemail left, a haunting, low, unearthly voice can be heard whispering to Judy, calling out her name. 
Now we're about to take a listen to this audio, and I will tell you, this voicemail will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. So I'll give you a few moments to turn it down, or turn it up if you're brave. Maybe grab a blankie? Flick on the lights? Whatever you need to do, I'm here to support you. Alright, you ready? Here is the Judy voicemail. I cover a lot of creepy stuff on Avery After Dark, but I cannot, I will not, listen to that audio in the dark. I know I'm Avery After Dark, okay? But I can't do it. I can't do it. Something about that voice. (sighs) Even more terrifying, Judy recognized this voice. According to Judy, her childhood was plagued with paranormal activity. In the home she grew up in, there was an entity that tormented her family. And her elderly mother still lived at the house. Judy said during childhood, the activity got so intense, her sister would often collapse and speak in tongues. The children would hear mysterious noises at all hours of the day and night. And at one point, the activity in the house got so bad, a priest was actually called in to bless the property. It wasn't a good scene. And as a child, Judy said she would frequently hear the entity within the home calling her name from the shadows. On the voicemail, she heard that deep voice whispering her name under choppy static. And to her, the voice sounded exactly like the one that had haunted her in her childhood. Judy said she asked her mother if she had accidentally left the message. Uh, that doesn't sound like any voicemail I've gotten from my mom. My mom's usually really bubbly on voicemail. She's like, hey, sweetie. It's cute. And Judy's mom was adamant, saying she hadn't even picked up the phone that day. So it wasn't her. This audio was posted to the paranormal boards on Reddit. And there was a lot of debate if this was paranormal or just perhaps a strange interference, maybe lines crossing. Some saying it was only multi-frequency tones. But other listeners say they can hear snippets in the audio calling out Judy's name. People also have said they can hear things like hide, go to the house, and hurry in the audio. One user said they heard the voice ask, do you believe in ghosts? That is so spooky. Many have reported a feeling of dread while listening to the message. Me! I am one of those people. For those who believe it's paranormal, there's also been debate on what the spirit is saying, either beckoning Judy to come back to the home or warning her to stay away. What do you hear? I personally don't get a warm and fuzzy feeling from this audio, but what about you? What kind of feeling do you get from the message? Thanks so much for tuning in for this episode and subscribing to this channel. And share Avery After Dark with your friends, family, anyone that you know that loves mystery. Next episode, I've got so much more coming your way. Until then, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.